Joining us now, the voice of Oregon State, Mike Parker, with us here on The Big Show. Hi, Mike. Nice to be on The Big Show, guys. Thanks for having me. Hey, we appreciate you jumping on. Tell us about this Beaver squad, obviously coming off a huge win over the Ducks. It was a it was a great win. You know, the, the last time that Oregon had come to Reeser Stadium two years previous, the final was 55-15 Oregon two years ago when Cal came to Reeser. The final was 49-7 Cal. And over the last two games against Cal and Oregon, the Beavers have turned those around. I'd like to think that on the big picture, it's a sign of some progress in year three for Jonathan. But just to beat Oregon, it hasn't happened that often. In fact, with that win, the Beavers are 11-34-1 going back to 1975. So it's been lopsided. So that victory for Jonathan in year three was, even with no fans in the ballpark, they would have been storming the field, I'm sure, had, had they been able to. It felt like a, a significant win. The way they did it against the, the number nine team in the country, it was it was impressive. The best win yet in his era. Where we go from here, I don't know, but 2020 has already been rendered for Beaver Nation a, a somewhat successful year with that win in the books. One of the things, Mike, that stood out to us is the way Oregon State hung in there in that game. They're, this team must have some guts, must have some stick to it. Yeah, I think so, because there were there were stretches, as you could tell, that it looked like it might it might begin to get away from them a little bit. Oregon's offense was operating very efficiently in the first half. The Beavers a couple of times settled for field goals, and we just felt like calling the game at halftime that not matching touchdown for touchdown was in the end going to cost the Beavs a chance to win it. And they were down 11 at halftime and down 12 going to the fourth quarter. And you're right, hung in there and won and outscored Oregon 22-7 to in the fourth and even had another drive in the fourth where they got down inside the 20 and turned it over on downs. The defense gets a three-and-out stop, and the offense goes down and scores several different times in the last 33 seconds to pull that thing out. So, yeah, you're right. I think it was a, it was a win that showed a lot of character and toughness, and, and it, was, uh, it was good to see. The thing above all else, the intangibles of – of being able to hang in in a game and win it, it didn't, though, appear flukish either, guys. I, I mean, I thought that there was some physical play that Oregon State demonstrated in that fourth quarter to run the ball, to move the, the solid Oregon defensive front and allow themselves to score the, the 22 points in the fourth. So I'm hoping it wasn't just a kind of a, a, a luck of alignment or anything else. I, I think it was uh, some physical play, some solid football play that got them that win. Mike, I want to ask you about Coach Smith, and I've had the opportunity to interview him a couple of times at Pac-12 Media Day and was extraordinarily impressed. And, of course, Gary Anderson, uh, you know, has Utah ties, and we followed him, and we saw what Mm -hmm. he did at Oregon State and how he left the program, and it wasn't good. And obviously in, in Coach Smith's first year, 2-10, and 10, you know, was what it was. But they took a – the Beavs, in my opinion, took a really significant step forward last year and were a much, much better football team. Tell me about him and his philosophy and what's working for him there at Oregon State. It's pretty understated. Uh, he has an understated style, a little bit like how Mike Riley carried himself in what was, um, you know, a very successful era given the history of football at Oregon State. You guys know enough that it. I just reeled off the 11-34 and one record in the in the rivalry game 
uh, over the last, you know, 40 years, 45 years, that I think they needed coming off of the difficult era and the way things ended with Gary. You know, I, after the Beavers' victory this past weekend over Oregon, I went back and looked at the tape of the last time the Beavers had beaten Oregon, and it was Gary Anderson and Ryan Knoll, and the Beavers won in Corvallis. And after the game, the fans stormed the field. Gary was in the middle of it uh, with his wife, Stacy, and both were in tears and hugging each other. It was a celebratory scene. And I remember thinking Gary had turned a corner of sorts that year in 2016. I, I liked Gary a good deal and was just mystified at how – how it unraveled as much as it did in 2017. And so so that situation being as tenuous as it was, I think Jonathan and his his uh, cool, collected, confident, calm demeanor has set that tone from day one. He, you know, he got the guys in. A lot of them were Gary's recruits, quite frankly, and to Gary's staff's credit. A lot of those players were pretty good, and these coaches have developed them into some, some you know, really legitimate Pac-12-type players, and between that and Jonathan's offensive acumen and his just his steady uh, demeanor, I think has instilled all of the guys with a belief and a confidence because it was shaken. It was a tough 2017, and Jonathan walked into a, a very difficult situation, but he just rolled up his sleeves with his staff and gone to work on it without ever wavering, without ever throwing Gary or anybody under a bus to say, well, we, we inherited such a bad situation. He's never uttered a peep like that. I think he's instilled confidence in the guys in day one and continues to build a program. You know, that's what's so, impo- so impressive about what you were talking about before, Mike, with the way they responded against the Ducks. Uh, that usually is the demeanor of a team that knows it can win no matter what adversity it's facing as opposed to an emerging program. So that made that what, what happened mm-hmm. against Oregon that much more uh, impressive. So my question to you is about the Utes facing this particular team. The Utes are a talented team that is young and has made a lot of mistakes and is trying to piece it together. How do you think – what the Beavers have going on right now will match up against what the Utes are dealing with. I think it'll be better than last year, guys, from Oregon State's perspective, which isn't saying a whole lot in that in the three years that Jonathan's been in now, this is year three. That was a game a year ago in Corvallis where it felt like an utter mismatch. The Beavers were not able to do anything on either side of the ball to affect that game. Utah utterly, completely dominated. Jamar Jefferson did not play but the Beavers were held to 48 yards rushing. Now, I know the Utes, while losing the, the nine great players off of that defense from a year ago, a defense for the ages, it looked like to me. And that team that team was one of the best I've seen in, in the many, many years. I've, I've been a fan of the Pac-8, Pac-10, now Pac-12. That Utah team on both sides of the ball through most of last year, still I'm sure you all, we all, I'm wondering kind of what happened in those last couple of ball games, But through the balance of the season that was a a talented deep dominant tough physical group so this year given the the stinging way the season started for the Utes and the fact that the Beavers have won two straight at least from a a psychology standpoint the way the Beavers feel coming in I think they've, they've got to like their chances to compete make it a competitive game give themselves a chance to win this year when last year I just even with all of the confidence I've talked about Jonathan instilling in this team, that was a clear mismatch last year. I think physically, in some respects, 
Utah still has a lot of advantages in that respect and their home. But I just feel guys like Jonathan has the program at a place coming off the back-to-back wins they've had that they'll come in there and believe they've got a plan that can give them a legitimate chance to win. I expect a very competitive game, and I think the Utes turning it over nine times the last couple of games, letting a three-touchdown lead uh, slip away in the second half. I mean, if the Beavers can get off to a good start, you know, that might bode well for the Beavers to get another upset. You mentioned Jamar Jefferson, of course, uh, you know, cover the Pac-12. You're familiar with him. But I had to do a double take at his line against Oregon, 226 yards, two <laughs> touchdowns, average 7.8 yards per carry. I mean, has, has he – I mean, he looks like he's taking it to the next level. That 226 you refer to as the most yards ever by a back in what used to be called the Civil War, the rivalry game. And that takes in the likes of LaMichael James and uh, – you know, a lot of great backs on Oregon side through the years and at Oregon State with Stephen Jackson and Jaquiz Rogers, Ken Simonton, et cetera. I mean, nobody on either team has ever rushed for that many. So that's impressive in its own right. And he did get 82 of them, uh, you know, on a single carry. But, you know, that that was well blocked. It was checked into by Tristan Jebbia and Jamar showed a burst of speed and then the ability to not get caught heading down the right sideline. So we got a chunk of that 7.8 you're referring to on one carry, but he kept hammering it in, ended up carrying it 29 times for 226. And, you know, as the Pac-12's leading rusher, second in the nation in yards per game, and he's legit. He's become a, a complete back with the ability to get those long breakaway runs, but also do <laughs> – he's a, got great vision on inside zone stuff, guys. One of the best – uh, visionary runners in terms of knowing when, where the hole is, who to get behind, when to plant the foot, when to spin, when to cut. It's just been a joy to watch him play. And, uh, you know, if, if the Beavers are to pull an upset, he'll he'll need to have. I don't know if he can, I don't think anybody can go for 226, but if the Beavers can find a way to get to the century mark against Utah and rushing with him doing the heavy lifting, that gives him a chance. He's He's been special to watch and He's putting it all together this year behind a pretty good offensive line. Other than him, uh, for Ute fans who may not be all that familiar with Oregon State this year, any other player or group of players that stand out that they should look for? On the defensive side, the inside linebackers. I mean, you guys know all about great defensive play at all levels on your defense over the years, but I do think these guys for Oregon State, number 34 is Avery Roberts, Number 36 is Omar Spates. Those guys could play for Utah. I mean, they're, they're good. They're, they're solid uh, inside linebackers. Avery Roberts that the Beavers got through the transfer portal. Omar Spates coming from back east in Philadelphia to play with his brother, who's now out with an injury in Jeremy Reichner. But a good job using the portal, family connections, the recruiting trail. What the Beavers have to do to be successful is find sort of under-the-radar type people or, or people that have been dissatisfied in one place and come to another. Those two guys on the inside are special. I think they're really good. And a cornerback in Nishan Wright, who has interceptions in each of the last two games, he was featured somewhat uh, in the Last Chance U documentary on Netflix. He and his brother, Ray Jean Wright, who are both now Beavers. Ray Jean isn't playing much, but Nishan has become an excellent cornerback. So they're getting some decent play defensively from those guys in particular, just in terms of names. Offensively, 
it, we're all watching, as you, we all are, what will happen with the backup quarterback making his first start. Chance Nolan, he's a, an unknown entity to all of us, really. He went to Saddleback, threw for 38 touchdowns, and rushed for over 1,000. So he's a dual-threat kind of guy that I know can give defenses problems. And, and so whatever Jonathan and the staff come up with to accentuate his skill set. I'm looking forward to seeing how that plays out because Chance Nolan taking over for the injured Tristan Jeppe is a somewhat unknown quantity to all of us. And I'm sure Utah's gone to work on JC film and all of that. But I do think he'll present a different dimension as a quarterback, a very skilled runner, a good enough arm, but makes more plays, I think, with his legs than uh, Tristan Jeppe or a lot of other quarterbacks have at Oregon State. Mike, it's always a pleasure to have you on the show. Thank you very much. Have a great call tomorrow. You know, Austin was under the impression, he said, are you here yet? He said, you're already in Salt Lake City, right? And, boy, I wish I was. I mean, (laughs) I'm not able to make the trip, and that's the world we're in. Uh, We're calling the game from Reeser Stadium in our Lowe's level off monitors. I wish I could be there, guys. It's one of my favorite trips in the league. I love your city, and I'm sorry we're we're not able to make the trip. I appreciate being on with you, though. Thank you. Thank you, Mike. We appreciate you. All right, there you go. That's uh, our friend uh, Mike Parker. He's the voice of the Beavers uh, there at Oregon State. And, uh, you know, I, I think the Beavers are a pretty good team, Gordon. I, I yeah. think we may be into, uh, in for a pretty good game tomorrow. If that quarterback can do what Mike was talking about that he likes to do, it seems to me that when I've had conversations with Kyle Whittingham about that kind of quarterback in the past, he's talked about how difficult that is to defend. Yeah. You know, yeah. When you got a guy who you've got to keep him corralled uh, or else he's going to get outside on you or, uh, you know, hurt you up the middle when you're trying to, you know, put pressure on him or keep the receivers covered, uh, that can that can really create problems. So we'll see how the Utes handle that. See, my mind's kind of in a different spot, Gordon. Not that I necessarily disagree with you, but uh, Jamar Jefferson is so good. And if he could put 226 and two touchdowns on the Ducks, (laughs) I mean, the Ducks are pretty stout up front last time I checked. And for him to do something like that is is incredible. And and not that I worry tremendously about the Utah defenses we've talked about so much in the past, but young linebackers are going to be relied on to get a bunch of tackles uh, against Jefferson. And if they make mistakes and don't tackle very well, I, that could be a big-time difference in the game. So I, I wonder how early and often they go to Jefferson. The Utes have been pretty good against the run. Yep. You know? So we'll see how that works out. But this game is a bit of a mystery to me I, I because I, I'm not fully satisfied with the knowledge I have about how good the Utes can be because they are sort of trying to piece it together. But if they can do anything to replicate what they did in the first half against Washington and sustain it for an entire game, I think that's good enough to beat uh, Oregon State. Yeah. Uh, but can they? Can they? 